Mirav Zer, what, what a pleasure to talk to this young woman. Fertility is a huge issue, uh, not only in our country, but all over the world. And she has a theater background. So what did she do? She decided to turn this issue of fertility that she's experiencing into a one-person play, performance. In it, she talks about different characters in their life, the, the health teacher in, in, in school, the, the um, doctors involved, and uh, very, very amusing. It still tells a great story. The whole, whole process is how, how she created the play. It's very, it's very fascinating to me. She had a 10 or 12 years of acting, uh, producing and directing before that, but she just decided to turn this into, uh, into uh, like I say, a one-person show. And there's clips of it on YouTube. I'll have lots of links here. How discipline is used in in acting and in directing is very, very interesting take that she has. I, I really appreciate it. Very uh, untypical of what I hear. But great conversation with, with Mirav Zur. Uh, I know you're going to enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Hi. I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change. Discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration start talking to you. Thank you so much for doing this, Marav. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Fantastic. So is is fertility a very big issue in our country? Yes. I have friends that uh, are trying and then I have other friends that can't stop having kids. And then you probably have some other friends in between who aren't talking about it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it really yes, it really starts it, it 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 questions masculinity and femininity and it just it it, it really uh, it really can cause some some great depression. Yes, it questions everything. It's um, you know um, it it doesn't discriminate. It, you know, it doesn't matter what, what your background is, what your age is, what your, you know, knowledge is, what your race is, what your religion, nothing. Like, it's just, it's insane. And um, oddly enough, no one's really talking about it either. So that's on top of that. That's not great. So, yeah. 
another reason why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. And I was shocked at the cost. Yes. I mean, thousands yeah. of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. The cost is insane. It is not um, in the U.S., by the way. Right. Uh, there are countries that do cover uh, ah. treatment. Um, but, uh, yeah, to have that, to have all the, the physical and emotional, you know, craziness gone. And on top of that, the financial strain, uh, it's just, it's insane. So what did you decide to do is to turn it around and make a comedy out of it to make people laugh, make it at least a little bit light, but still drill in the seriousness of it. Yeah, it was actually, I didn't, I didn't really want to turn it around. It was, it started with the way that I was first able to talk about my own experiences because mm. I was experiencing all this for years um, in parallel to my everyday, including my profession, which happened to be in, in theater and acting. Um, uh, but I didn't talk about that part with anybody. Um, and so the first time I decided that I, could and maybe should, I decided to do that in front of some friends, but, um, I didn't know how. So I just invited them over to my house one night and kind of performed it all to them through like, you know, comedy and silly songs and characters and, and whatnot. And then that kind of developed into a whole show. Okay. So I got to unwrap this a bit. So at what point did you receive the inspiration to turn this into a performing art? I mean, did you, how did that happen? Um, well, it, it didn't happen by itself. So I, I, you know, I, I perform, um, at, you know, professionally, I'm an actor, producer, writer, director, I've been creating and, and writing and producing and performing in my own stuff for years. Hmm. Um, my own stuff, meaning my own creations, but it was never about me. It was all fictitious, uh, characters, of course. Um, but because I had this, I guess, personal issue going on and I didn't know how to talk about it. And then I decided I, I should, and maybe could, I just didn't know how to do it. I, I just thought, wow, this thing is just so heavy and I don't want, you know, the people that I do share it with, I don't want them to, to pity me or, you know, mm. I don't want, I don't want any like bad feelings. I don't want, I just want them to know, but I want them to know that it's okay to know and you know, whatever. And you know, of course, at the time, I thought I was like the only one in the world going through this. So like, <laughs> you know, I was like, let me tell you how I'm a freak of nature. But I wanted to tell it to them in like, in a kind of an accessible way, I guess, the way that they wouldn't think it was too horrible or weird. Um, and so I just, I said, okay, well, I'm, yeah, I could do that with humor. It's just like, you know, comedy is that you can take something really harsh, uh, but present it in such a lovely way that you can accept that information now. It's easier to digest. Um, and I guess that was the way that I was able to kind of to, to talk about it, first of all. And also during while I was experiencing it, you know, my husband and I, I would, you know, we'd joke every now and then because it was like the only way. It was either crying or laughing about it. That was it. So, um, so yeah, with my friends, it was also a way to do that. And I didn't think it would go beyond that night, actually. But they had started suddenly talking about their own things. And, and mm. then I said, wait a minute, there's something here. There's a lot that people aren't talking about that they're all experiencing some similar stuff. What's going on here. And they urged me to actually to go ahead and pursue it and, and make a show out of it, which I was sure was going to be a one night only event. Cause I was like, who would want to come listen to me talk about, you know, my 
vagina and, and, and all the problems and whatever, you know, people that don't know me wouldn't, wouldn't care. But then it kind of, um, you know, that night that was, I thought was a one night, uh, people came up to me afterwards and they were like, that's my story. Oh my God, that's my daughter's story. Oh my God, we never really knew. And thank you. And, and then I said, okay, there's something even bigger here. And it just kind of expanded from there. And and at any point during the, you know, the creation of this, did you feel that a particular joke or a particular scene went too far and you had to pull it back? Did that ever happen? Um, yes, I, I never pulled it back, but (laughs) I mean, I did it, but at first I thought, wow, this is, I don't know if this is going to be okay or, you know, or like the way that, um, it was staged. But I just said, I'm, I'm just going to do it because I, you know, I'll see, I'll see what happens, you know, I'll see how the audience takes it. But there was never too much shock or, you know, or booing or anything like that. It was just, it was, it's in your face and it's like, but it, but it's also funny. Um, you know, not every second is a funny moment. There are also some, you know, more heartfelt moments and, you know, some things like, it's kind of like, you know, cause it's, it's a show after all, it's not just constant stand up. Um, but it's, um, you know, it it works in that way. And I think it's, that's how it is. That's how life is. It's not always one, you know, happy, glossy, marshmallowy thing. It's also, you know, it's also the muck and it's also the bad and it's also the sad and the happy. And so it's, it it worked out that way, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't take back anything because I said, this is how it's going to be. And if it works, the only reason I would scale it back is if the joke didn't work, right? if it didn't get the laugh, but to offend or not offend, I think in comedy, you can't really limit yourself too much because, you know, then it's, then it just won't be, it, it won't, it won't do what it's supposed to do. Mm. Yeah. Because in order to talk about fertility, we have to talk about sex and, you know, some people yep. are comfortable with that. Some people are not. And one of your particular characters is like this kind of Southern uh, football coach who won't even yep. say the word sex. He keeps on yep. spelling it. I mean, it's, yes. uh, it's outrageous. And it, it it's, it's, you know, it's kind of the, one of those things where you're not sure if you should laugh because it's it's so kind of true. This is exactly what would happen. And they, they yes. keep on saying you're not going to get pregnant or an STD. I mean, it's just so, uh, you know, it's it's uh, I, I can't help but use the word ridiculous because um, yeah. just say sex, man, dude, yes. whoever you are, coach. That, 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 that guy was actually my uh, high school sex ed teacher who was also my coach. <laughs> He was, uh, that's how it was. He was my gym coach. And all the, I mean, the, the, the whole show is, it's all true. All the characters I do are actual people that I've met along the way and, and they're all, it's all true. So that character is, is my gym coach. Um, the only difference from what you see on stage and the real thing was that he was a man and you know I can't be a man, but like, but that's, that's it. That's him. It was the accent and the way that he was very embarrassed about the task that he was given to teach us sex ed. He was only, you know, it seemed like he was just walking around the whole time thinking I was only supposed to do sports, right. <laughs> but you know, it, he ended up doing that. And, and that's like, everyone that I've met, you know, their, their sex ed when they were growing up, it was basically like that, you know, we don't, we aren't really going to talk about it, but we are, but we're not just don't do it. (laughs) And so, you know, you end up with this whole, you know, generations of misinformed people. And and I'm going to assume the gynecologist was French. 
uh, uh, Israeli. Israeli. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and yeah. very sarcastic. Well, not really, but kind of facetious. Very nice, but still yeah, kind of just wanted to be a friend. Yes, but yeah, this is not really good information. <laughs> right, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, and yeah, yeah, yeah. just kind of tried to keep it light. Uh, yeah. But again, from true inspiration from you. Yeah, yeah, same. That was that was our fertility doctor. Really um, awesome man. Very nice. Um, you know knew what he was doing, but it was just a funny little thing that I noticed that I was like, you know, everything to him is like, not a big deal. It's okay. It'll be okay. You know, we'll do it. We'll do it. But it's, it is, you know, all this stuff that you have to do, it is quite a big deal, you know? So, um, yeah, I wanted to put that in there also that it's, um, it's a lot, but it's, you know, it, it can be looked at with a comedic lens, um, maybe as a way to just, you know, like I said, it's laugh or cry, so might as well laugh when you can. What's the best thing a friend can do uh, or say or support when they know friends are going through fertility issues? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, there are a lot of people that do and have said the wrong thing. Mm, mm. I have a whole song in my show about what not to say because there are a lot of like these tactless, well-meaning, but tactless um, statements. But I think the best thing is for people to be there. Um, and if they want to say something, they can just say that they are there. Um, you know, whenever the person that needs, you know, a shoulder to cry on or someone, someone to vent to, they're there. If they need something, if they need to just, you know, be in the same room in silence with them, if they need to like, you know, I don't know, go get ice cream with them, whatever it is, Mm. just to be there because it's, um, kind of like this natural reflex as humans that we have that we want to fix. So you tell me a problem, I immediately want to fix. Mm. Let me tell you my advice. Let me tell you my thing. And it's not always necessary. It's also very helpful and sometimes more helpful if you're just there. You're just saying, okay, you're heard. Right. And giving and trying to give advice like did you try wearing three pairs of socks or something? You should probably yeah. avoid that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. One of the many things that, that, um, yeah, that I've, I've been told. And like I said, I, I made a whole song of it and I still didn't put in all the comments because it's just so, there's so many. And you know, when you, when you hear them all together, it's like, wow, that is kind of ridiculous. And of course they didn't mean wrong. They, they meant well, but yeah. How, how important are arts and theater in, in education? Um, I think arts and theater are important in life, Mm. um, much more than they're given credit for. Um, I, of course I'm, that's my field and, and kind of my niche and I'm a theater nerd and everything. So of course I'll say that maybe it's a bit biased, but I do firmly believe that people need to have art and theater in their lives and, and learn it and be taught that whole subject and experience it, even if they're never, ever planning on going into it professionally, because there is so much to learn through theater Mm. so much. And most of it is just like parallel to real life. in in so many ways you learn about people and how humans work and empathy and working together. And you learn about, you know, how to, how to go with the flow in life um, it's just so much that can be taught, you know, in theater 
beyond the actual show or play or content you're working right. on. It's, it's way beyond that. So I think it's very important. I think uh, it's very sad that the arts are always the first to be cut and whatever it is mm. and the first to, you know, to, to suffer any kind of setback, but I think they're very important. Yeah. I, we didn't have one when I was in high school. Um, but, um, I, I just noticed in college, like of my friends who, who did do it, you know, all of them would say it's great. And plus, Hey, there's always a lot of women in there. So that was yeah. always a <laughs> That was always the big attraction. It's true. Always the attraction for men is to get there because it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of women go through it, go to it. And I, and I think it's, um, it's a great place also of acceptance. Mm. You usually end up getting in a group, a lot of different types of people. And because of the work you do, you, you just accept people as they are because you're working together and you have to, and that, that in itself is a lesson and it's a great way of meeting different people. But yeah, I think just as sports are really important for also many different ways besides the actual sport that's being played, teamwork and, and you know, knowing how to win and lose and, and, you know, coaching and being coached and besides the actual, you know, game strategy, hmm. um, there's so much in that that's important for people. I think it's, it's the same, if not more even for a theater. Yeah, I remember taking a theater uh, class in college, and it, you know, if there's so many opportunities there, even if you don't feel that you're a skilled actor, there's still set design, there's still you know uh, direction, and there's still um, lights, and you know, there's so many things that are gathered around the theater experience. It's not necessarily if you're state if you stage fright, you know, it's you sh- I don't think you should yeah. shy away from it. There's so many other things you could do. Yeah, 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 totally. And that's also a huge thing. You know, every person can contribute, right? Um, really, with every aspect. So it's just, it, you know, it's just great. And and I think it's, uh, you know, to, to get involved in that, the younger, the better, because you just, you know, you can experience it in so many different ways. So yeah, I, I love it. Did you start acting and then move into direction and producing and writing? Um, I, yeah, I actually started out as an actor. Um, you know, I, I was always like a creative type and I always had, you know, art was always my thing, but kind of like more hobby, I guess. I never thought that that was my profession, but through necessity, I I became all these other things, Hmm. uh, because I started acting and, um, as an actor, usually, um, when and where I started that, the, the typical route is to get an agent and the agent gets you. Uh, auditions, which are the potential work if you pass the audition. Um, And I just, I thought that that was such a like kind of long winded way to get to what I wanted to do. And so I decided to create my own opportunities and I wrote uh, a play and, um, and I directed it and, and, you know, through necessity, I created the costumes and, and I essentially created a whole theater like that, um, because it, you know, that first show went well. And so I created another one and another one, and, you know, I got other, um, actors and, and arts professionals involved and it's, it, it was just great because it was a way for, for me to kind of express what I wanted to express and also do what I love to do. Um, and also get to meet fabulous people and, and get to work with amazing people hmm. without having to wait on someone else to organize that for me. So, um, yeah, that was, that was how that worked. <laughs> Is auditioning as miserable as it seems? 
Um, it's kind of like a perspective issue because um, for many, it seems very miserable because mm. it's like, oh, you know, it's all not dependent on me. And even if I'm talented or whatever, but going with that mindset is not great. Um, you know, I, I love to go in with the mindset that I'm doing a little tiny show. Mm. <laughs> so it's like, it's, you know, that's my performance. It may be that one time only. It may be that it's the beginning or, you know, there'll be a sequel or whatever. But, um, you know, it, if you go knowing that it's not really that, it's it's not all dependent on that. There's so many different um, considerations if you get that role or not. And I learned that much more clearly when I became, you know, part of the other side of the table. So I saw, wow, there's so many other considerations. So it's not really, you know, wow, how talented that person is or if they nailed that audition or not. Um, it's so many other factors. So, I, you know, I think it really, it, it's really good to put that into perspective going into auditions that it's not, you know, the end all of your worth. So it's, uh, that's an important way to think about it. Because it's very humbling, right? I mean, yes. you hear about thousands, right? And they take one or two and... Yes. Yeah. And usually, you know, um, there have been many auditions that I that I was in at the beginning, at least when I, um, I'd go to auditions for, let's say, commercials. You know, they usually look for a certain type of person mm. and you're going in line and you're in a room with a bunch of people that pretty much look exactly like you. Wow. And, you know, it's it's crazy. You know, I noticed that today when I see a spokesperson and I think to myself, okay, this is the person that that company chose. You know, I think about the AT&T commercials. I think about, um, yep. you know, I think about the um, the new gambling, one of the gambling ones. And I think, okay, well, I mean, I wonder how it took months. It took, you know, to, okay, this is what they want the image to be. And they're there for a long time. They're there for a long time. Yes. And, uh, you know, not not to one way and not to the other way and not to the, you know, it, it's just, it's just carefully crafted in the way they speak yeah. and the way they look and the way they dress and the way completely. they present themselves. It's all crafted. Yeah, completely. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a very, it's, it's kind of an art in itself. Mm. Yeah. Very interesting. So when you, so you had been acting and you'd been working and then the whole fertility thing came up, did you get, pushback from your husband and from your family about this topic? Uh, so, you know, I, I, I've been in my profession for, um, years. I think it was like about 11 or 12 years before I wow. decided to do the fertility related show. Um, my husband, the whole time we were going through it, wanted me to talk about it with people, but mm. I didn't want to. And I made him not talk about it either. Cause I was like, no, no one, you know, we're not going to be the freaks of nature here. We're going to not talk about it. Um, and then when I finally decided to talk about it that night that I had with my friends, I told him that I had friends coming over and I was doing something, but he was to stay in another room and not come out <laughs> and just, you know, whatever. And at the end of the night, he, he did end up hearing, uh, a little bit of it. He didn't, he couldn't, you know, hear it clearly from the other room, but wow. he said I heard a little bit of it. He was just so proud and he's been super supportive ever since. And he's just all for it. And my family essentially knew all the bits and pieces of my experiences when they saw the show. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, but they, but they were all supportive. The, the majority, the reaction was like, wow, there's so much we didn't know. 
And I think that's the main reaction that a lot of people, um, you know, come up with because they're like, wow. And I thought I knew it, you know, my, my sister's going through that. And I thought I knew my daughter's going through that, but we never really knew, you know, because a lot of people do know, they know the buzzwords, infertility, IVF, you know, they know that, but they don't really know what that means. They don't know the ins and outs of the emotional roller coaster and the everyday um, angst. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's so much um, that people don't really know um, because it's, it's an, it's an all encompassing experience Mm. that's you know not great (laughs) to put it mildly so i think um that's an important aspect that people understand what actually that entails so why didn't you want your husband to hear kind of the first beta the first kind of uh, draft Um, of this well because i i don't i don't know and i just um first of all, that night was just for like my girlfriend. So I I didn't want them to feel kind of weird that he, all of a sudden this Uh, guy was there. uh, And secondly, I didn't, I thought that it would be, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of odd. hmm. Um, I think the first time he actually saw it was at the premiere. Wow. Um, and, and he was there and it was just, um, and it was funny because I mean, he loved it. He's, you know, super supportive and and he was great. And the, the thing I remember was that he was like, you know, that part when you did about whatever, I was in that room with you and I don't remember it that way. And, and that was also funny because it's like, you know, we were both essentially experiencing this, but every person has their own perspective of it. So there were things that, you know, these little nuances that didn't really bother him, but to me, you know, I made this whole thing out of it. You know, it's this, that was, you know, that changed my whole day that day, you know? So, um, yeah, so that was funny. Had this been the first kind of autobiographical, uh, you know, pursuit, theater pursuit? Yeah, this was the first time, first of all, that I did a solo show Hmm. uh, because all of my other productions, I had other actors with me um, on stage. And this was the first time that I was by myself and it was the first time that it was about me. So, yeah. (laughs) And why solo? Why not have others involved? Um, I think it was just, I wanted to get the story out and I wanted it very blunt. And I wanted, I I think I I just said, if I'm going to do it, it's going to be all of me. Mm. It's going to be all of me for everything. I'll do my perspective on me and my perspective on the other characters as I saw them. And I just wanted to show my my story and tell it as it is. And, and the production itself also in terms of, you know, the look and the styling, it's mm. very like bare bones on purpose. It's just, I want to tell you the story, the story that you know, because your friends are going through it, your family's going through it and you need to know really what that means. And, um, you know, at first I wanted it to be, okay, this is me. I'll just tell you how it is. But you know, when it became a, an actual show and I knew I was, it's going to hit a nerve with, with more people. I just wanted it to be just that. Wow. And when you're the creativity in creating a play, Marav, like, are you storyboarding? Are you, how, how is that? What are the mechanics of that? Um, fascinating crazy me. brain waves. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. It's, um, um, so I, that night that I, that I first, you know, baited it with my friends, 
um, until the premiere. It was about a year of development. Um, So I worked, you know, I rewrote a lot of stuff, obviously, and I worked with a dramaturg, which is um, kind of like a, um, you know, it's kind of like if, if the writing is, is the dress, then the dramaturg is that belt that kind of like tightens it up and makes it look, you know, the way it needs to look. So I worked with the dramaturg and, you know, and, and a stylist to make it like the, the look that what we wanted. So I, you know, I was fortunate to work with them because it kind of helped me get to tell the story the way I wanted to tell it, but not me sitting and just blabbing for an hour. Hmm. So, you know, I, I wanted to mix that up. And with my experience with other productions, I knew I wanted it kind of a, a multimedia. So, cause I wanted, if I was in the audience, I wanted to be interesting, interested in watching it. So I, I, I kept that in mind. So I said, okay, I, I want a little song here and this one I'll tell, but I'll tell it maybe with like a prop and this part I'll tell with like a, you know, me sitting here or you know whatever so that's kind of how it came out to be so yeah a lot of sketching out and a lot of rewriting and doodling and xing and and reprinting <laughs> yeah wow and uh i use the term beta is that correct like when you're rough draft that's like software um, term. no the- <laughs> yeah it's, it's called yeah i mean you can call it different things i like i like beta i think i'm gonna adopt it because it's very <laughs> well, it's, i like it but yeah it's uh so i usually call it like a pilot a pilot um, because it's of kind of like a kind of like a pilot show even though it wasn't really meant to be i just kind of it was it was kind of this you know get together it wasn't even supposed to be a show but mm. I was in front of a group and I was speaking, but it it wasn't going to be, uh, you know, I didn't think it was going to be anything. Um, And and I think that's part of also kind of like the the theater quality of life. Like I didn't really think it was going to be something, but it kind of has a life of its own now. And it became like this whole journey. Hmm. Um, So, yeah. The other term you used was dramaturg. Yes. Dramaturg. Isn't that funny? T-U-R-G? Yes. Okay. I'm very unfamiliar. So it's, it's people that kind of structure and structure scripts? And- they kind of um, help you. First of all, they give you that little mirror and that, that lens to, to look back at what you wrote and kind of redefine and, and kind of sharpen it. So it's like, okay, what did you mean to say here? Maybe it should be this way. It's kind of like... Hmm a director before a director comes in, in a way, um, of the, of the written word. Um, and dramaturgs are involved with most of the well-known, uh, features that, that you know of wow. uh, movies and, and plays the dramaturgs are, are usually involved at some point or another, um, just to kind of help kind of like an editor in a way. So when Quentin Tarantino writes a script, does he get, does he get one of these dramaturgs? Um, I don't know if about him, but I'm sure I'm sure that another pair of eyes. Huh. I'm sure that another pair of eyes sees someone's script, whether it's a friend or, or a professional dramaturg. I'm sure because it's uh, uh, you know it's always good to run it by you know someone, and and eventually it will. I mean, even scripts that may have not gone through, and I, and I've had scripts I didn't always run through a dramaturg, but. Uh, even my scripts, you know, through rehearsals, you kind of shape it up. And mm. when you hear it spoken, you're like, oh, wait, that's not how it should. Or, or that one's funny. Let's put it in. Or, you know, so that always happens. But that's kind of like also in the natural evolution of 
productions, which I love, like, you know, from, from the idea until the stage, there's so much that, that changes and evolves. And when you're dealing not in a single show, but with many actors and they kind of take it upon themselves to make changes to scripts and things like that, what, what happens there? I mean, is that, uh, you hear about these kinds of incidents, is that welcomed? Um, I think it depends on the people involved. Mm. Um, you know, there are some directors that I've heard of that, you know, it's my way or the highway. That's right. Yeah. Uh, there are some scripts that, you know, scripts that are well-known scripts. If, if uh, you know, a, a production wanted to, to do it, they are, you know, by law obligated to, to go according to those words wow. and can't change one. Um, that's just, you know, in, in the copyright. Um, but, you know, other writers they're more flexible. It depends with, with my stuff. I, I always love to be, you know, flexible with my work because, you know, stuff comes up in rehearsals. If it's good, why not use it? Mm. Why, you know, why constrain yourself to, you know, that if it could become better. And again, forgive me for these kind of questions. I know nothing about this, but like no, when, no problem. when like lighting happens or when like certain cues happen and stage needs to be reset and everything that's all put in there and it's all guided and it's all rehearsed and the people know what to do given the certain cues. It's so orchestral to me. Um, yes and no. So um, the, what I love most about theater, live theater, and this doesn't happen, uh, you know, on screen, which I love screen stuff too, but in theater specifically, um, because even as, as, as orchestrated and as, and scripted as you get, there can still, you know, be things that happen that are unexpected. And so, you know, the art of improvisation, which is an art of its own, mm. um, is such a good skill. And I love, uh, tapping into it. Um, because it's just, you know, things happen and you have to adjust because the show must go on. You have to, you know, you can't just stay there and be like, Oh, well that guy's shoe fell off. I don't know what to do now, right. you know? So instead use it, um, you know, go, you know, go along with it because it's just, it, and it makes for, you know, it's wild. It just makes it alive and makes it so much more special. So, um, it's, it's a great thing. So even if things are, you know, um, rehearsed, uh, which they usually are a lot of things happen that are not rehearsed. Um, and inconceivable by the way, in the show that I do the solo show, I have parts of it that are intentionally improvised. I have, uh, parts of the show that I have no idea how will have, how it will look like before the show, because I'm dependent on what happens during the show. It's improvised mm. on purpose. Um, and I love it. It's, it's the thing that it kind of, you know, keeps me on my toes. It's it involves the audience. So it's, you know, it, it depends, but yeah. Are you superstitious? Um, n no, uh, I know that, uh, theater folks have their, mm. you know, thing, but it's just like, I guess, I don't know if you could ask that about even athletes. Right. I don't think they would say they're superstitious, but they have their special boxers that yeah, they wear. Are absolutely. They, you know, like it's not a superstition, but so I don't, I don't think it's a superstition, but it's like, it's like your ritual, your little ritual, you know, it's like, I, this is my thing. I do it. It's like kind of like my, you know, stretching or my exercise or my thing. It's part of my thing. I do it. So everyone has their thing. Sure. And not to mention the Scottish play by name in the theater. Yes. And, uh, you know, and I always hear these old kind of acting English stories from some of those old English greats. And, you know, I, I, 
this one particular story, Peter O'Toole, I remember somebody says he, he was doing a small production of something and he came out before, uh, you know, before the play and said, you know, the part of so-and-so will not be played by her, it'll be played by my wife. And somebody from the crowd says, she's an, you know, expletive. And Peter O'Toole oh, says, God. Peter O'Toole says, nevertheless, <laughs> you know, so, so uh, you know, the common, uh, you always hear these great stories because they're just struggling so hard. It's perfect, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they're English. And, you know, I, I don't know where, I don't know, was Shakespeare the origin of acting? I, I don't, is that? No, no, no. I mean, this is, you know, acting goes back uh, to, to, to caveman times mm. and official theater is Greek times. Right, but Greeks. yeah, it's uh, many, many years. You know, the, the, the whole core of theater is, is just a story. It's telling a story. It's having people come together to listen to a story that someone's telling. Um, and then what you know and what we know today is just how are we telling the mm. story? That's what, you know, changed and developed and that's what makes it interesting. And, and you see that also, you know, the cool part is that you can see one story told in so many different ways, uh, which is amazing. So it also goes to show, you know, creativity of people and, and what we can do. Do you consider yourself a disciplined person, Marif? <laughs> um, I think I'm a bit of both. <laughs> I think you have to be a bit of both. Because it seems to me to write a play, I mean, there's just so much structure and there's so much iteration and there's so much, yeah. uh, I mean, it took you yeah. a year. Yeah. A year being because, you know, I, I wasn't working on it every day, all day because I had other things that I was, you know, working on and other um, uh, stuff going on. But yeah, generally a year from the point that I, from that night which I didn't start on it the next day, but from that night until the official premiere it was about a year. Yeah. Do people in, in theater, are they generally disciplined people? Do you um, think? I think it's, listen, there's a, it's kind of like a, it, it's funny to use, you know, some terms are funny to be used yeah. because when you're very passionate about something, it's, it, it discipline is irrelevant. Mm. When you're very passionate, it's going to happen. Um, you know, it's going to happen because you want it so bad. And so if you want something bad enough, it's going to happen. Call it discipline? Okay. Call it, you know, I don't know, extreme uh, uh, obsession? <laughs> Whatever, you know, like it's, it, it is what it is. But I think the, the, the root of it and for theater people in general, it's, it's, it's passion. It's the love of the art. So let's just get the art out there. Let's create, let's do it because, mm. um, you know, there is some sort of, uh, it's not even an end point, but that, that product, that, that thing that at the end of the day, when you're with an audience and, you know, I don't know if you go often or if you've been to a live show, but that energy there is just indescribable. There's something on both sides of the stage, the energy from the audience and the energy of people mm. that feel it on stage from the audience. It's something that can't be explained and can't be duplicated and can't be replicated because even, you know, on shows just like on Broadway where they do like shows every night, it's not going to be the same show. Even if it's the same scripted show that they rehearsed, you know, backwards and forwards, it's still a bit different. And that's 
the, the beauty of it. So it's, um, it, it's a great thing. So when you create, you create your show like this, you create a piece of art or a body of art. Is it your concern what people interpret it as? Um, it depends. I mean, certainly people who create want to have their, you know, they want to have the people understand or they want to be understood, but I think mainly they want to be expressed Mm. and the way that it's interpreted is not in our control anymore because it's out there. So, you know, if someone interprets something as, as something else, let it be. If it's, you know, misconstrued or if it's totally, you know, uh, you know, nowadays when we're, when we're, you know, at the age of mass, you know, commenting and, and, and polarization, you know, trolling, yeah. then, it, then it's not great. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's the interpretation. That's the beauty of art. Everyone can interpret it a bit differently. There's, um, I think it was uh, Robert Frost. There was a famous poem that um, one of his famous poems when he was still alive, people, someone came up to him and said, you know, or, or I think he was at a forum or he heard a forum of people. Um, they were talking about his poem. They're like, Oh, you know, his poem is this and this, and it stands for this and this. And they, yeah, you're right. Because this and, and that word and this. And, and then he was like, well, it's just, it's just a poem. about yeah. <laughs> You know, It's like, uh, so, you know, it could, but it's great that some people can interpret it as more than that or something else than that. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of the beauty is the eye of the beholder type of thing. Yeah. And it's, it's such a slippery slope. I remember the movie, the movie Imagine with, with John Lennon and somebody had broken into his house and started asking him about some of his lyrics. And John was like, you know, we were just trying to get something that rhymed with this, you know, I, yeah. you know, it, you know, it, it's, we're just, you know, just musicians, you know, and while, while yeah. we, we, we want to help and we want to put out good art, you know, some, we can't, we, how you interpret it's going to be completely up to you, you know? And, uh, right. I think it's where we kind of get in trouble where we say, well, this artist stands for this because they said this in their art or they painted this yeah. or they expressed this in a, you know, in an acting role. And, um, yeah, it's really, it's really tough. Uh, it's really tough right there because, um, art is in the eye of the beholder. And, you know, when I go to museums and I, and I, and I look here's my problem with the museum is that there's, it seems to me there's like 500 concerts going on at the same time. You know, I, I, I kind of kind of get involved with one and I kind of look at it and I just let it come to me. And then I go to another and okay, I got to start all over again. And, you know, and yeah. I think it's similar in, in playwriting and, and acting in all forms of art. Um, yeah. What motivates you? Um, wow. A lot of things. Um, a lot of things. I think, you know, Maybe at the beginning it was because it was fun. So I, I was motivated to just enjoy what I'm doing. Um, and then it was, you know, that very first time I got a laugh and I was like, oh my God, I can make other people happy. That's what I want to do. Mm. <laughs> um, and then it was, you know, like um, my husband, my daughter making them laugh. It's like, I, I love it. If I, I think the, the main thing now I know if I can make other people happy in some way or think about something in some way, 
that motivates me a lot. Mm. Um, I have a lot of fun when I'm up there, you know, doing what I'm doing. I really enjoy it, but it's just such a perk to know that there's, it's beyond that, uh, that it can, you know, bring joy to someone uh, who's having a rough time or a bad day or, or about to fall asleep or whatever it is. And they, and they, you know, have this thing and they enjoy it. I, it's everything. Oh, that's nice. That's, that's really, really nice. Well said, Marab. Uh, and how do you define success? I think success is knowing that you have learned, have tried, um, and maybe even, you know, set out to what you were going to do even though now that I'm saying it, it sounds kind of fluffy, but I think that, I think the main thing is, is learning. I think if we can learn from things we do, that is success. Cause mm. that's, I think the point of everything is, is to learn, to learn, to understand, to, you know, improve or, you know, Bro. show others. Yeah. Yeah. So many times people have kind of these, uh, short term, uh, definitions of success, but if you just continue to grow, there's no end. And, uh, yeah, yeah just, yeah. And, 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 you know, the, the other terms of success that I think we were unfortunately conditioned to understand mm. what is success, which is like titles and, you know, degrees and money and, you know, all those things, those at the end of the day aren't, you know, aren't going to be worth as much as your own, personal, you know, joy, growth, learning, knowledge, um, you know, what you were able to share. So I think that success is, I mean, that's going to be a different definition for each person, but I, I do think at the root of it, that's, that's probably it is wh what were you able to learn? Hmm. So I may define it as being on top of a call sheet. What's that? Some some may define success as being on top of a call sheet, right? In the right yeah. Thing. yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, getting being getting all the roles, getting all the awards, right. getting all the you know whatever it is. But those things are not really you know dependent on you as much, and they're not mm. depend and they're not um, in your control, and they're not uh, your they're not as validating. I think at the end of it, I think, I think, you know, what's more validating is knowing, oh, okay, I did something, you know, I did something that I learned from, I did something good. I did something to help someone, I mm. did, you know, so. Yeah. They may, may not necessarily be based on merit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very interesting. Well, Marav Zori, so, such a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. I, I, creative types like yourself in, in theater, just, I, I, you know, I play a little guitar. I like, I love art. My, my daughter's in art. I love it. I'm just not, I don't feel that I'm that artful, but so I, so I have so many questions and I just, I love it. And I love to soak it in. How can we get in touch with you? Um, I think probably the easiest would either, uh, be going to my website, Yes, which is uh, com. That's M E I R A V Z U R.com. Um, and then on there or, and, or you can go to all my social media, um, I'm most active on the social media that I created for my solo show. So it's inconceivable show in one word that's on, um, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all that good stuff. <laughs> 
Yeah, and and YouTube has a lot of great clips of your show. And too, YouTube, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll put all those in the uh, in the show links. Thank you so much for your time Thank today. You. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure, and uh, maybe one day we'll all get together and have a cup of coffee face to face. Yes, definitely. We'll get on stage together. <laughs> oh my goodness. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, I just shudder to think. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. You, you be well. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Pinn's Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website, www.joeypins.com. There you find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Podcast information, the video version of our podcast is on YouTube. Please subscribe. Audio is on all major podcasting platforms. Please follow them. And if you like it, please consider giving five-star rating. Would really appreciate that. Would you like to financially support the podcast? You can go to our Patreon site. Consider $5, 10 or $20 a month. There's all kind of plans that we have there. It's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? $25, $50, $100, $500, $1,000, $5,000. You be the judge. You can go to our PayPal account to do that as well. Thank you again for listening or watching Joey Pinn's Discipline Conversations.